Adele plays 21. Bruno plays with grenades. Katie has her fireworks and Oprah officially leaves the stage. William and Catherine get married in front of 2 billion folks. Slash joins Fergie at the Super Bowl. And honestly, it's nothing but a joke. Packers, Mavericks, and baseball cards win it all. As Steve Jobs, Janie, Gary, Phil, and Star take their final curtain call. Books about dragon tattoos, wimpy kids, and games of hunger are in flight. And the icons of heavy metal, the mighty Black Sabbath, once again reunite. Yes, people, we are talking all things 2011 here on Grown Up Rock. Now crank it up. I was thinking about this. I'm starting to think that this this ain't no disco series is confusing people because they're not sure whether we're talking disco or what the hell's going on. So I was toying around a little bit with maybe just changing the name and dropping this ain't no disco and just making it the year in rock or growing up rock 2000 whatever or What's your take on it? What do you think? I don't care. <laughs> By the time people get this episode, they already know because the title says what it says. Maybe going forward, should we change it? Should we drop the This Ain't No Disco? We've done a lot of them at this point. How many you think we've done of this? Uh, seven or eight. Yeah. But I never understood that This Ain't No Disco thing anyway. I figured it was some stupid Southern thing. No, it's not a Southern thing. I think originally when I put the This Ain't No Disco moniker... 
on these episodes. A, I thought maybe it was just a little bit different. And I was basically making a statement that we're not talking disco, we're talking rock and roll. So hence, this ain't no disco. But I think it confuses people a little bit. So I don't know. Should this be the last This Ain't No Disco episode and going forward, we just call it something else? Uh, Sure. Sounds great. Sonny, you're not much of a help. (laughs) And that's different how. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) All right. Well, apparently I'm going to have to make an executive decision. (laughs) Make a damn decision. Let me know. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll get to that eventually, I guess. So what's going on, man? What we got in store for people here? We got uh, everything 2011, it looks like. Yeah. 10 short years ago. It seems like a lifetime. Uh, Music was a bit different. Uh, The classic guys weren't all back yet. Some of the classic music I listened to, some of those classic groups, came back and started doing albums, started retouring, blah, blah, blah. Probably right around, it started like in 2011, because that's when the cruises started and some of the stuff started getting going. I think this is the tail end of music that was just kind of there. It was not easy for me to pick some good music because 2011 was a rough year. You know, and it seems like we've done a couple of two or three episodes of these This Ain't No Discos in the 2000 era. And it seems like every time we do one, we kind of had the same thought of, damn, they didn't release much in this. And I don't know whether we're just missing shit for the audience listening. When we decide to do one of these This Ain't No Discos, we basically throw a year out there and say, okay, let's go for it. And so with this year, with 2011, Sonny said, hey, Let's do one that's 10 years. I said, okay, cool, because it is what it is. You know, we can do a lot of classic episodes from 79, 80, 81, 82, 83, the real grown-up rock years for me, but that's a little bit too easy sometimes. So it's funner to have a challenge like this, and 2011 was a bit of a challenge. I'm in my 40s by the time this happens, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But uh, yeah, we had some interesting music here. The movies were really good. Right, like horrible bosses came out. There. Oh my god, I love that movie. So there were some really good movies and TV shows, and maybe it was just because I was older and that's what I was watching at the time. Uh, but there is a span in time between uh, probably '96 and like 2010 that our music was basically dead. And I'm in my mid 20s to my late 30s, where you've got other parts of your life are beginning to form, you know, whether you have kids or get married or that's where most people's lives change the most. So music kind of took a backseat for me anyway, but, uh, it'll be a fun episode. Hey, one thing's for sure. Every time we find a way to do these, this ain't no discos, we always find good music. It may be a little bit of a tough search, but we always manage to find good music. And I don't think this episode will be any different. <laughs> It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. So for tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight, this one comes to me from a band that just kind of out of the blue sent me some information. Every once in a while, I'll get somebody on their own renegade band that'll send me out stuff. So not a Frontiers Records or a Golden Robot Records or some of these record labels that send me stuff. This was just a band. And the name of the band is called The L.A. Maybe, which to me is a little bit of a strange name. I really had no idea by the name what I was getting because occasionally bands that aren't even rock and roll 
will send me stuff without knowing, you know, who they're sending it to, right? If you take a little bit of time to find out what the show is about, you'll know what kind of music we play. Well, this guy contacted me, called the LA Maybe, said, hey, found this podcast. He really liked our podcast. He told me one of his favorite episodes, so I knew that he had listened to us at some point. And he said, hey, I would love it if you'd give us an interview or play our song or do whatever. And I'm always about trying to help bands out, especially if they're producing something that I like. If I don't like it, it's kind of rough and I don't want to put it on because then I won't have anything good to say about it. But I actually like this song. It's right up my alley. It's basically, if you're a fan of Guns N' Roses, ACDC, or Van Halen, you're probably going to dig this band. Here's another interesting fact about this band. (laughs) And I don't know how many times I've heard this story. I guess maybe four times at this point. But the lead vocalist, Alvy Robinson, is another singer, one of only four, according to their press, that auditioned to replace Brian Johnson in ACDC when Brian went down with the hearing thing. Now, I've heard this story a couple of times from a few different bands that have claimed this. And it's not that I don't believe them. It's just interesting to me. So we know that the one guy that was part of, I think, Stripwire, got an audition who was in the ACDC tribute band back in black. This guy, Alvy Robinson, I don't think they're the same guy. This guy sounds great as well uh, and probably would have been able to replace Brian in terms of his voice. Sounds really good. Anyway, the LA Maybe is a six-piece rock and roll band that is from the Carolinas. It doesn't say exactly where. It just says the Carolinas. So they're sort of a Southern East Coast band. Check out this song. The name of the song is called Mr. Danger. The lead singer for Stripwired, and yes, that is Stripwired with AD, is Darren Caperna. Darren and Alvy Robinson are not the same person. It's painfully obvious that these two idiot hosts didn't do their research. We apologize to both Darren and Alvy for thinking otherwise. Both of you are powerful and attractive men. Now, let's rock out to the song.
Yeah, that song is straight up ACDC. There's absolutely no doubt. And I get what you're saying, because if there was only four singers that auditioned for ACDC, goddamn, we've heard the story eight times. So how is it possible that everybody auditioned for ACDC? Like, does it count that I sent them a tape of me doing an ACDC song? Does that count as an audition? I don't think so. I think that if a band is saying that this guy auditioned, he got called into Atlanta because that's where they were auditioning people was right here in Atlanta. They had a rehearsal hall, which I know the guy that runs the rehearsal hall. And we know that the guy from Scriptwire came and auditioned. And there were a couple other people who are escaping me at this point right now. Uh, And then this guy, he fits the bill. He could have done it for sure. This is the song that Hollywood sent in as part of the audition tape for ACDC. It didn't go well. what I mean. Ba-ru-tal. Okay, so we're talking all things 2011. What were you, 55 in 2011? <laughs> Smart ass. I don't know. I don't have enough toes and fingers. I'm 54 now. How old was I in 2011, Alexa? 44. <laughs> I'm not Alexa, but let me tell you, it's 44. Where were you living in 2011? I was here in Atlanta, and I was working for a computer corporation at the time. I'm 41 turning 42 at the end of the year in uh, 2011. And we had just moved back. So when I first got the job at Kohl's, we had moved out to Oregon. And the plan was to come back in summer between two to five years. And it had been exactly about two and a half years. And uh, we had just come back to California. So uh, we were kind of in the middle of a move in the beginning of the year, no doubt. Alrighty then. Uh, All right, we're going to talk some songs. So uh, tell us about the first song you want to play. This band is one that I discovered from Spotify. Uh, When I first started uh, listening to Spotify, they came up and popped up on a recommended thing. And I really loved the tune. So it went on a playlist and it stayed on that playlist for a long time. But I got to be honest, I went and I checked out a lot of the band's catalog because they've been around since 1992. So they've got a lot of catalog out there. But it was really hit or miss for me. They're kind of a melodic power metal type band. So that's not really my bang zone for rock and roll, but every one of their records has some songs that I really like on it. And so 2011's Age of the Joker came out by the German metal band. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right or not, but they're called Edgway, Edgway, E. D-G-U-Y. I tried to look it up to see what it even meant. I couldn't find anything but information on the band. So I just know they're a German metal band. They've been around since 1992. Check out this tune called Nobody's Hero.
Okay, so the music is awesome in that song. It's aggressive. I like it. Tobias's voice is one of those voices that to me is tolerable in short stints. Just like Rob Rock is just a little too much musical theater sometimes, right? The the hero, like it's just like <laughs> it, you know what I, mean? I I can handle it for short stints, but the music is outstanding. I, I don't know a lot about these guys, but uh, they obviously have that metal feel. Yeah, so this band reminds me of the current type of music that Saxon is putting out. It's kind of heavy. And when I heard this song, I was like, oh, Sonny's not going to like this because this guy kind of reminds me a little bit of Bit Byford in a lot of ways. So Sonny's not going to be a fan of this stuff because it is very Saxon-like, at least current Saxon uh, type stuff. But yeah, the music is outstanding and a lot of their music is moody. So they have heavier songs like this and then they have some stuff that's a little bit slower. And overall, like I said, it's kind of a power metal band and it's just not necessarily my bang zone for rock and roll, but every one of their records seems to have two, three, four tunes on it like this that I dig a lot. So check them out. It's E-D-G-U-Y. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm sorry. They're a German metal band. Check it out if you like it. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. So my first song, I'm going to go with House of Lords. House of Lords was on hiatus for about 10 years from 93 to 2003. But then you fast forward to 2011, and they're on their eighth album, and it's called Big Money. Uh, I would say at this point, they still have fire. They've been on Frontiers Records for a while. They're still writing some kick-ass music, which you know I've been known to criticize their latest stuff for maybe not having as much fire. But at this point, they still have that. The band at this point is James Christian on vocals, Jimmy Bell on guitar, BJ Zampa on drums, Chris McCarvel on bass, and Tommy DeAnder on guitars and keys. Here's a song off of Big Money. It's called Blood.
Yeah, I like that latest uh, House of Lords record. I thought there was some good stuff on it, but this tune's cool. I mean, House of Lords is hit or miss. I like their heavier stuff, and I don't like their really ballady, slower stuff, so... All right, so let's talk about some uh, music news that happened in 2011. So this was the year where Judas Priest is ready to go on tour, and K.K. Downing doesn't want to go. And uh, he basically says he's retiring for the band. Judas Priest is thinking about, well, do we go, do we not go? And they agree to go on, and they bring in Richie Faulkner, and basically Richie's been in the band ever since then. This is also the year where Iron Maiden win its first Grammy. Iron Maiden won a Grammy. Love it for Best Metal Performance on El Dorado. Paul Deano, talk about Iron Maiden, was charged with eight counts of benefit fraud. So what had happened here was he was claiming that he had nerve damage in his back. And I guess the Department for Work and Pensions in, I'm assuming this is the UK, is kind of like being on health benefits here or kind of being on, you know, a a short-term disability or that type of thing. And some anonymous person told the Department for Work and Pensions that he was jumping around on stage. So they threw him in jail. And then took all his property. So uh, that kind of sucks, but you know it happened. And then, of course, Black Sabbath reunited, like we talked about, uh, to write another album. And then kind of what we talked about in the intro, Phil Cannamore of Y&T died of lung cancer. Gary Moore died of a heart attack. Uh, Mike Starr was found dead in his home. And Janie Lane uh, Warrant died. So I can't believe Janie's been gone for 10 years. Yeah. At 47, man. So young. So young. Yeah. He had more music to give for sure. That's a sad one. TV shows. What were your go-to TV shows in 2011? You remember? I have no freaking clue. If you can refresh my memory and tell me what was out at the time, I'll tell you whether I watched it or not. Shit, I don't have a list. I just have the list of what I watched. Well, was I supposed to prepare? 2011. That's 10 years ago. Wow, dude. Really? <laughs> okay, so I'll share mine. Two and a half men was in this ninth season. Nope. So um, you don't like two and a half men? I didn't watch it. Really? Yeah. Uh, this was a season where Ashton Kutcher came in to replace Charlie Sheen. So, And then there was four shows that are no longer on TV, but we've talked about it before where your wife and yourself, you'll gravitate towards certain shows and watch them together. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, we had four shows that Nicole and I kind of watched together. One was a show called Fairly Legal, and it was on USA. It lasted two seasons. Sarah Shahi. I was a lead actress, daughter of a lawyer, wants to cleanse herself of the shitty job that lawyering is. So she becomes a mediator. The father remarries, the stepmom and the dad are running the business. Dad dies, and now daughter has to go back into the family business. But stepmom's running it, so it's very interesting. The next one's also a lawyer-type show, Franklin and Bash. I don't know if you ever saw that show. TNT lasted four seasons. Uh, Brecklin Meyer and uh, Mark Paul Gosler, Zach of Say by the Belt. Both friends and law practice partners, so it's kind of like a comedy drama. We loved this show called Necessary Roughness. It was on USA. It lasted three seasons. Uh, Callie Thorne, sports therapist, and basically it was about you know what kind of really happens behind the scenes. You know, obviously it's a drama type thing. It's not real, but we watched that one. Yeah, we watched all three seasons of that one. And then uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Person of Interest started this year. Uh, lasted five seasons on CBS. 
Jim Caviezel and Taraji Henson. It's basically a show about the computer predicts what's going to happen. And then Jim, he's a guy in a suit that goes foils a crime before it happens. It was very interesting. I was surprised it lasted five seasons, but then three, four seasons in, I'm like, oh my God, this show is going to be on the air forever. And then I was surprised it actually canceled. Yeah, that was a good show. It was interesting. They had some good characters in that show. We always enjoyed that one. I think that was out at the same time this other CBS series was out. Remember, uh, did you ever watch Numbers? I tried. I didn't love it. You would think me being the numbers nerd Mm -hmm. that I would actually like that show. I don't think I was in love with who they uh, set up as the actors and actresses on that show. Yeah, we watched that one too. We liked it. It has to be kind of a comedy drama. There has to be some kind of clever kitschiness to it. Like I really gravitate usually towards those things. Like even in person of interest, Jim plays this guy in a suit. He's almost part superhero, right? And so there's a little bit of that and it's got to be an interesting mix, but it has to be, I guess, staffed well when it comes to the actors and actresses. Otherwise you lose me. We just call it dramedies when it's a comedy and drama. All right, let's talk about a couple other songs. Give us another one. All right, so this one comes from a little bit better-known band. Mr. Big released What If in 2011, and What If was kind of a return for Mr. Big because they kind of were on hiatus up until this point. So this is the first record, first new record for them in some time, and it's got some really good material on it. I thought it was a pretty solid record, a solid return for them. So check out this tune, American Beauty. Very Van Halen-ish with this one.
Yeah, that album is good. That song's a little more metal than normal Mr. Big. Usually Mr. Big has a little bit of soul in it. And even uh, Eric is singing a little more metal, but I like the song. The chorus is very, very catchy. So that's a cool song. I'm also going to go with a more well-known band. We're going to go with Chickenfoot next. So if you don't know who Chickenfoot is, it's a super group, Sammy Hagar, Joe Satriani, Michael Anthony, Chad Smith. I mean, you can't get much more super group than that. Uh, leave it to a band called Chickenfoot to call their second album three. I don't understand that either, but uh, you know, you know, all four guys probably doesn't need a ton of introduction. So here's a great track from Chickenfoot three called up next. <laughs>
So I really liked the first chicken foot record. The second chicken foot record for me was a huge disappointment. Now that being said, I really love the song Bigfoot off that record. And this song, which I do not recall from this, but I really like, I like up next too, but this record overall was just kind of myth for me because I really enjoyed the first one. Yeah. I think the first one came together a little more organically. And this one sounds a little forced when you listen to the whole record Mm -hmm. and it doesn't, it just doesn't have the catchy radio friendly tunes that some of the first one does. Um, Joe Satriani goes a little more, I guess, technical and is, I guess they're trying to make the album a little more musical because they're all musicians that are in their own right. And, you know, you start doing that. Sometimes it gets a little boring, I guess. Yeah. So, Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. So oftentimes we talk about how you can help the Growing Up Rock podcast for little or no money. Well, this costs absolutely no money and it's just a little bit of your time. You can help us out by going to Apple Music and leaving us a five-star review, going to Podchaser and leaving us a five-star review. Very simple. We put the links in the show notes. So just scroll on down, hit that link and go leave us a five-star review if you enjoy what we do. The other way is you can join the Loud Minority Facebook group. If you use Facebook, then we've created a private Facebook group where we go on and we talk about themes that we've done on the show, upcoming themes we got coming up and just talk music in general. And so we would love for you to Come on over and join the Grown Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group. We pretty much keep it positive in there. So come on over. That's about as much help as you can give us right now. Of course, if you want to give Sonny or me 20 bucks just because we're awesome, then that's always a nice thing too. But don't feel obligated. Okay, so we love talking charts. At least I do. It's fun, right? So we're going to talk about the hottest singles and albums of 2011. So here was the top 15 songs uh, year end of 2011. Number 15 was Just the Way You Are by Bruno Mars. Number 14, Last Friday Night TGIF by Katy Perry. Number 13 was Pumped Up Kicks by Foster the People. I don't even know what the hell that is. Number 12 was S&M by Rihanna. All righty. Um, number 11 was On the Floor by Jennifer Lopez. Okay, we're getting to some racy stuff here. Uh, number 10 was Just Can't Get Enough by the Black Eyed Peas. All right, 2011 is starting to sound like the 60s now. Nine was Moves Like Jagger. Oh, I love that song. Maroon 5 featuring Christina Aguilera. Number 8 was Super Bass by Nicki Minaj. Number 7, Forget You by CeeLo Green. Six, Grenade by Bruno Mars. What a great song. There's an acoustic version of that song that's great, too. Number five was Give Me Everything by Pitbull. So Pitbull's on here twice because he was on the On the Floor track also. Number four, E.T. by Katy Perry. Again, Katy Perry owns the chart because number three is Firework by Katy Perry. Number two is Party Rock Anthem by LMFAO. And number one song in 2011 was Rolling in the Deep by Adele. I know I would say half of those songs. How about you? I know most of them. That Foster the People song, that was the only hit they had 
pumped up kicks. All the kids with the pumped up kicks. That's all right song. It was, uh, it was catchy. It was kitschy. That's why it was a hit. But man, I hate Pitbull. I, I got <laughs> so tired of that dude. Freaking Lex Luthor with his chains and his freaking Miami backdrop and shit. I, I can't stand that dude. That dude was everywhere. He was driving me nuts. <laughs> and it was weird because he was everywhere for like a span of three to four years. I haven't heard nothing from him for the last five, I don't think. I think he still does commercials or something. Yeah, we get it. You're from Cuba. Good on you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Freaking. Okay. Uh, top albums of 2011. So number five is by Beyonce, and the album's called Four, and it was uh, number one in the country for two weeks. The number four album was Lady Gaga, Born This Way. It was number one for two weeks. Number three was Michael Bublé Christmas. There must not have been a lot of albums come out that Christmas because Bublé owned every week of Christmas. So he was number one for four weeks. Taylor Swift had Speak Now at number two. She was number one for four weeks. And the best album of 2011, according to the charts, was Adele 21, which spent a whopping 13 weeks at number one. Now, rock-wise, Foo Fighters had uh, Wasting Light. It hit number one for a week. And Evavescence, their self-titled album hit number one for a week. The rest of rock wasn't on any charts at all. I'm not sure it was probably even in the top 40, if I remember. I like that Foo Fighters record. That Foo Fighters record was probably, to me, their last really good record. They had one? I like Foo Fighters, man. I don't have a problem with Foo Fighters. They've, They've got some stuff that I don't like, but they got a lot of stuff that I do like. And some of the stuff that Dave Grohl writes is really good melodically. I mean, really hooky, really catchy. So I have a lot of Foo Fighters in my library. God bless Grohl. He's everywhere. But uh, I just, I can't get into the Foo Fighters. And I think part of it is, it's just a Nirvana connection, period. I didn't like one single solitary thing about Nirvana. Every time I hear the Foo Fighters, all I can think about is Nirvana. And I don't know why. And I can't get out of my head. And there's plenty of other music to listen to. So I just don't ever listen to it. That's a shame because they got some good stuff, but it's all good. So give us another song. So let's go to a band that was a former Crank It Up New Music Spotlight band. I also did an interview with the singer at one point in time. The band Hell in the Club from Italy released Let the Games Begin. Check out this tune called Natural Born Rockers.
yeah, that song should be on people's workout jams. That's a good song. I, I don't know a lot about Hell in the Club. I still haven't checked out a bunch of it, but uh, the little bit that I've heard, I've liked. Yeah, it's going to be a band that's hit or miss for you because they're just kind of a sleaze band, but they're a lot like hardcore superstar in the fact that they do some different type stuff. All their stuff isn't balls out rock. So they have some different textures to their music. Yeah, I I think that you're going to find stuff there that you like, but you're also going to find some stuff that you're like, meh, on. So we went from talking about two fairly popular bands in the last two songs to Hell in the Club and a band called Gene the Werewolf. Okay, so five guys from Pittsburgh formed in 2007, prototypical jeans, t-shirt, leather jacket type of gritty rock and roll Kind of think ACDC, Thin Lizzy with a little bit of Def Leppard, a little bit of pop punk thrown in. In 2011, the release of this record, the band was John Bielan on vocals, Drew Donegan on guitar, Aaron Mediate on keyboards, Nick Revick on drums, and a bassist named Tim Schultz. I don't know a ton about these guys. I can just tell you they got some great kick-ass music from an album called Wicked Love. Here is Gene the Werewolf with a song called Wicked Love. Give me love, she don't give me what I need. No affection, she don't give me anything. 
So when I saw this on your list, I busted out laughing because A, I couldn't believe that you were going to play a Gene the Werewolf song. And B, I actually knew who Gene the Werewolf was because (laughs) this was one of the, it's weird that I can remember these little things, but this was another band like the one that I played earlier that showed up on my Spotify playlist when I first started using Spotify. And I listened to it. I was like, holy shit, I like this. Never heard of these guys in my life. Who the hell calls their band Gene the Werewolf? I guess Gene. I don't know. (laughs) But but anyway, yeah, I, I like this song. I like this band. And I really should deep dive deeper into their catalog because I don't know anything about this band And I don't even think I own any of their uh, stuff in my library other than stuff that I've listened to on Spotify. So cool. (laughs) Good choice. So let's talk movies. Do you remember any movies from 2011? I do when I come down to your list and take a look at it. (laughs) I'm glad you did so much prep for this. (laughs) Well, I didn't realize that I had to do prep. I can never remember what comes out. I'm not very good with years. Uh, So I can tell you the movies on your list that I saw, but I don't remember everything else that's not on your list. Maybe you share a few. For whatever reason, 2011, there was a lot of superhero movies. So I love the Green Hornet. Remember Seth Rogen? That came Mm -hmm. out this year. Captain America, the first movie came out this year with Chris Evans. Thor, the first Thor came out this year with Chris Hemsworth. And then the Green Lantern movie that everybody hates, which I don't mind. I thought Ryan Reynolds did a good job with it. I'm a huge Green Lantern fan, so I was really looking forward to the movie. There'll never be a second one because people hate it so much. Those were four pretty good superhero movies from a comedy, dramedy type of uh, movie. uh, There was one called Margin Call. And it's about they sold some stock that did not uh, pan out too good. It's like a uh, hedge fund type place. And uh, it has Kevin Spacey as the lead actor. is pretty good. Uh, Hall Pass. Remember Owen Wilson, Christina Applegate, Alyssa Milano? That was a pretty good movie. Uh, Moneyball with Brad Pitt came out this year. That was a good movie. And I would say my favorite movie of the year was Horrible Bosses. God, I love that movie so much. I still to this day will watch it anytime it comes on HBO or Showtime or whatever. It it is going to end up being... Uh, like a crocodile Dundee for me, where I see it 500 times. I don't know if I liked it that much, but I do think that Colin Farrell was spectacular in that flick. Uh, I enjoyed that movie. I just didn't, I don't think I enjoyed it quite as much as you, but uh, also Hangover 2 came out, which I enjoyed both the first and the second Hangover. The third one got a little bit, uh, but... (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't think anything can touch the first one. Even the second one fell flat for me. The first one is so great. To this day, I still quote shit from the first one all the time. You don't know how many times me and my wife will be seeing something and uh, like the cat will be messing with something and we'll be like, not you, fat Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. All right. Let's go, handsome. Come on. Not you, fat Jesus. Slide it on back. Highest grossing films in 2011. uh, Worldwide gross, by the way. Number 10 was Cars 2. Uh, grossed $559 million. The Smurfs were at number nine with $563 million. Hangover Part 2 is number eight at $586 million. Fast Five, which that must be the Fast and Furious fa- franchise. Is that what that is? It is. I don't know which one that is, but yes, it is part of that franchise. $626 million. Kung Fu Panda 2, which uh, me and the kids enjoyed that movie. $666 million. Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol uh, came in at $694 million. The Twilight Saga 
of Breaking Dawn Part 1 came out at $712 million. Pirates of the Caribbean was at number three on Stranger Tides. Came out at a billion dollars, by the way. Number two was Transformers Dark of the Moon is $1.1 billion. And the number one movie, highest grossing film of 2011 was Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, a whopping $1.3 billion. Wow. I don't know. I never really got into those Harry Potter movies, but I never read the book. So that might be part of the problem. I thought they were okay. That Ghost Protocol was pretty good. The Twilight series, meh. And that freaking Pirates of the Caribbean, the first and the second one were really good. I didn't think on Stranger Tides was good at all. So that was a big disappointment to me. Yeah. Meh. Meh. Cars 2 was good. You don't have kids though. I don't have kids. So Cars 2, the Smurfs, Kung Fu Panda, all that stuff. That's, that's not my jam. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that Cars 2, completely animation, right? It's taken in $500 million. That's unbelievable amount of money. And you know what the profit margin is for something like that? Because they don't got to pay actors and shit. They got to pay voiceovers, but, you know, and they got to pay people to obviously draw and create and do all the computer shit. But their take on an animated film or a computer generated film like that is probably so much more than just a regular film. Come with me, please, sir. But I'm going to miss my plane. Right this way. Oh, doggone it. This is about my hook, ain't it? I know I should have checked it, but I can't really. Look, it's attached to me. Hey, I know you. You're that fella from the karate demonstration. I never properly introduced myself. Finn McMissile, British Intelligence. Tomato, average intelligence. You're being followed. You know, I know some karate. I don't want to brag or nothing, but I got me a black fan belt. All right, give us uh, another song. Here's a band that just doesn't get love, and I still don't to this day quite understand what people's hate of Nickelback is, because to me, they're just a rock band. They got great songs. Their records sound amazing production-wise, and I don't hate Nickelback. Here's one from their album, Here and Now. Check out Bottoms Up.
So I was torn with this song because when you picked it, I'm like, oh, they did a version of Van Halen's Bottom Up. All right, cool. And then I'm thinking, oh, my God, I hope Nickelback doesn't ruin the song. So then I listen to the song. I'm like, oh, man, I wish it was Van Halen's Bottom Up. I just don't love Nickelback. I just don't get it. I don't understand. What is it that people, what do you not like about them? To me, the music has always been a little boring. The melodies have always been a little meh to me. And then when I saw them live. And I swear to God, their feet were nailed where they were standing. And I'm like, good Lord, the live aspect is even just like I hear it on the tape. It's just, it's, it's not exciting to me. So I'll go along with the live aspect. I saw them live too. I thought they were meh. But just listening to their CD, I listened to their music. And granted, they're not a top 10 band for me or even a top 20 band. It's not like I'm freaking out. But this band for a rock band, this band gets so much hate and I don't get it because their albums sound great. Like sonically, they sound great. They're produced well and their songs to me take strip away any of the ballads or uh, top 40 shit that they do. Their rock songs are just straight out hard rock songs. A lot of times his delivery in some of the melodies, I kind of like. They're kind of like an earworm to me. I just don't get it, but I like that tune. I have that record. I have a few of their records, and I can always find at least a handful of songs that I like quite a bit off their records. So, yeah, that's a little bit of uh, Nickelback love. I'm not ashamed to say it. (laughs) So from one band that gets a lot of hate to another band that gets a lot of hate, I'm going to go with Cincinnati, Ohio's own Blackville Brides. You know, they got the black makeup, they got the body paint, the tight black studded clothing, the long hair. I mean, they're trying to be part Kiss and part Motley Crue, but for whatever reason, they are not connecting with our generation and they're not connecting with the generation they're in. So they're like stuck in this 80s vibe that the new listeners aren't listening to them a ton and they can't connect with the folks that love that 80s vibe for some reason because I don't know, because they're new kids on the block. I have no idea. I don't exactly know why. They've got five studio albums under their belt, and a new one's coming in 2021. Bands had a bunch of member changes, but in 2011, it was Andy Biersack on lead vocals, Ashley Purdy on bass guitar, Jake Pitts on lead guitar, Jinx on rhythm guitar and violin, and CeCe Coma on drums. And this album debuted at number 17 on the Billboard 200. Off the album, Set the World on Fire, here is Die For You. <laughs> Just 
sink my teeth into this nightmare they connected with the younger generation because I thought there were a lot of tween goth girls that were really into that singer. Being serious, I thought they were connecting with the younger generation. They don't connect with me because, I don't know, they just don't seem like hard rock enough to me. So I just don't connect with their music. They don't have the big fat riffs and the cool grooves that I dig. I don't have a problem with their looks. I mean, their looks are what they are. But then when you were calling out band members and you said Jinx and he plays guitar and violin, then I immediately <laughs> immediately decided that I'll never listen to this band. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why Blackfield Bryce gets the hate. They're really trying, though. They bring Zach Wilde in and they do covers that are like 80s metal type covers. So they're trying to be 
Like they kind of have an industrial name. They kind of got a glam rock look. They're trying maybe too hard. Maybe they're just trying too hard to be a combination of everything. And it's kind of falling flat. But the, you know, the goth girl connection, that only lasts three years. Like teenage goth girls, there's new ones every two to three years. They're not going to keep listening to Black Veil Brides. Like it's not like it's a forever fan, if that makes sense. Tommy and Zeus like them. I think they listen to them all the time. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So Striper has openly shared that they love hard rock and metal from the 70s and 80s, period. Huge influences on their music. So them doing a cover album of those songs completely makes sense. So in 2011, they release an album called The Covering, and it's got Blackout, Heaven and Hell, Lights Out from UFO, Carry On My Wayward Son, Highway Star, Over the Mountain, The Trooper, Breaking the Law, I mean, On Fire. They did an immigrant song. I mean, they did some great versions of these songs. And they took on some songs, like The Trooper, and immigrant song. There's just not very many people are going to touch those songs because can't do it. I thought Striper did everything they did on this album justice. They also love Kiss, so they did a version of the 76 classic Shout It Out Loud.
Yeah, so I really respect Michael Sweet because he does wear his influences on his sleeve. I mean, all these things that he did on the cover record, he basically said many times over impressed that he loves these bands. And so uh, I respect that a lot. I'm not that familiar with this record. I haven't spent a whole bunch of time. I've heard all the tunes on it, but I just haven't spent that much time with this record to get really familiar with these songs. But I like their cover of it. I think they do all right. I love that Striper, Hailstorm, right? Both of those bands do a great job of saying, guys, we not here. If it's not for what we're listening to and that stuff seeps into our music, take it or leave it. And these are the bands that seep into us. Or for every fan that maybe doesn't love Hailstorm, they probably didn't love Heart super much. And there's a lot of heart in that stuff, right? And they didn't love probably the 80s pop stuff that was on the radio because there's a lot of 80s pop stuff that uh, Lizzie and RJ do. So, you know, Striper, they're getting harder as the time goes by. They're becoming more and more Judas Priest and Iron Maiden than ever than they were when they started. Even the hardcore Striper fans don't love that they're getting harder. I absolutely love it because they can pull it off. And I think that they've done a good job of still keeping in some of that melodic, what I would call just hard rock, not necessarily metal. So I don't dislike it. I think the material they've put out in the last five, six years has been some of the strongest of their careers. So I understand some of it might be rubbing some of the older fans a little bit raw. So 2011, I mean, it was only 10 years ago. Seems like forever, to be honest, especially after this last year we went through. It's possible there's a lot of great music out there from 2011 that we just missed on because doing this podcast since 2017, you're so in tune to every little thing that releases. And I was not that in tune in 2011. Of course, I knew Striper released something. I was a Striper fan, right? So there's certain things. I knew Mr. Big released something. I was buying everything Mr. Big. But uh, I probably missed on a bunch of stuff. Let's talk about some of the records that got released in 2011 real quick that I did like. I just didn't call it out on this podcast. I really personally liked Warrant Rockaholic. I liked Night Rangers somewhere in California. I thought Sebastian Bach's Kicking and Screaming had some really good stuff on it. White Snakes Forevermore had some great stuff on it. I really liked that Journey Eclipse record. Nobody talks about it because it's with Arnell, but it had some solid stuff to me on it. So I really liked that. I really liked Saxon's Called Arms, and I really liked Anthrax's Worship Music. So there was good stuff that came out, in my opinion. I just didn't necessarily spotlight it on this because a lot of that stuff was already kind of known to people. The folks that hear me talk about the same bands over and over, like Amaranth, they released their first album this year. Hailstorm did a reanimated, like a covers album, just like Striper did. It was an EP, though. Uh, Steel Panther did Balls Out this year. Uh, Richie Cotton released 24 Hours. Man, that is an awesome album. Uh, Rival Sons, if you're a Rival Sons fan, Pressure and Time released this year. If you're an Alice Cooper fan, uh, Welcome to My Nightmare came out this year. And if you're a Megadeth fan, 13 came out this year. Uh, if you're a 6 a.m. fan, this is going to hurt. So there was stuff. Um, I just didn't want to go to the bands that I always talk about. I wanted to kind of go to some of the deeper bands. Awesome. All right. So we'll find out whether or not the This Ain't No Disco title gets retired after this episode. I don't know. If you see it up here again, I guess it didn't. I think uh, maybe I'll just retire it and come up with a different name. We'll do the same show. <laughs> just do your job. That's what we pay you to do here <laughs> is to come up with stupid titles to episodes. So just do your job. You had one job, man. You just had <laughs> one job. <laughs> want to let everybody know, uh, thanks for all the feedback. Thanks for listening. Uh, keep connecting with us. We love it. 
And uh, we will talk to you soon. See ya. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.